Well, if you have a Bible, we're going to continue through 1 Peter this morning. Uh, so I'll invite you to open to 1 Peter chapter 2. I don't know how many of you remember, but back in 1983, I'll admit I don't remember this song coming out, but in 1983, John Cougar Mellencamp, uh, not John Cougar or John Mellencamp, there were different phases in his artistic career, but at the time it was John Cougar Mellencamp released a song called The Authority Song. Anybody remember that one? It, that, that was me too. I was like, yeah, I'm sure I've heard that. The, the opening line to the chorus was, I fight authority, but authority always wins. I fight authority, but authority always wins, right? You know it. It's there. It's locked in the deep recesses of your classic rock brains, for better or worse. Now, even though it sounds like kind of your typical uh, early 80s kind of uh, rebel rock song, if we consider that line, he's actually making a really deeply theological statement, whether he knows it or not. See, within the heart of every person still lurks, to varying degrees, doesn't matter how long you've been on this earth, a rebellion against authority in all of us. You can see it in the baby that does not yet have words but has decided, I am not eating that. You can see it in the toddler that has decided that, no, my favorite shirt from yesterday, I'm not wearing that ever again, and you will not get it on my head. You can see it in elementary and middle school age kids when they have decided, I am not doing what the teacher asked me to do. You can see it uh, when teenagers confuse a growing independence with outright rebellion. You can see it in, in a marriage when, when a husband and wife uh, break God's rules and yet expect to have a good marriage. You can see it when a worker chafes against his boss and just hates to be told what to do. You can see it when we break traffic laws, when we cringe at the parking regulations, when we go through the gate down the highway and it says 90 and we're like, 90. When we drive downtown, it's like, what do you mean paid parking? I live here, darn it. I suspect that I fight authority should be a humble confession of every single one of us in some way, shape, or form, because we resist it. We push up against it. And what's more, we actually want that authority for ourselves. But there's a second part of that line, and I promise I'm not going to preach John Cougar Mellencamp this morning. He says, I fight authority, but what? Authority always wins. Now, I think you can make a case that the story of the Bible is an authority story. Think about how the Bible starts. What are the first four words of the Bible? Help me if you know it. In the beginning, God. Who is the authority? God. If, if we believe the Bible and God created everything, the things we can see, the things we can't see, the past, the present, the future, all those things, if, if he is the designer, the maker, the creator, however he chose to do that, we're not going to get into that discussion this morning, however God chose to create, if he made it, it's his job to tell us how to, how it works, right? He's the one in authority over it. Right? If, if I go home and I, I make a craft and I tell my kids this is a dinosaur, and they're like, it's not a dinosaur, Dad, it's a car. Vroom, vroom. It's like, no, no, you're wrong. I, I made it this way, right? The creator has authority to define how a thing works. But we barely get a page into the biblical story and what happens? 
rebellion. God, I know you said it's supposed to happen this way. This looks good and pleasurable, so I'm going to do it. I don't care what you say. And the whole week, we can go page after page, chapter after chapter, book after book, and what do you see? Rebellion, 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 rebellion. God says, I created you for this. I've done this for you, so live this way. This is the way you're meant to live. And he's, ah, I know you got us out of slavery in Egypt. I know, boy, that, that food in Egypt was really delicious. Maybe we should go back. I know you created us and you've shown your power in so many ways, but I don't know, these people over here, they've got some ideas. I think I'm going to lean into those for a while. The whole Bible story is a story of rebellion, and yet, how does it finish? The story marches on and on and on until there's a moment where we read that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Good authority will win. Now, Peter has just taken some time in the verses preceding where we're going to be this morning to tell us what our Christian life should look like. And we talked about it last week, and there were three things. Do you remember what those three things were? We'll get them on the screens here. At first, he said, we're going to live like aliens, strangers, exile, exiles, pilgrims, sojourners. Pick a word, put it in there. Live like an alien, fight like a soldier, and behave like an ambassador or a representative. He said, we want you to live like an alien because, remember, this world is not all there is. And so if we believe in eternity, then we need to live as though eternity will come, which is different. If we believe that this life is all there is, then absolutely grab all you can out of it. But we live life right now as if we're preparing for eternity. And so instead of clamoring and fighting to get our hands on everything we have, every experience, every pleasure, every whatever it might be. We live life planted in this world, but keeping our eyes on the next. We live like an alien. We also fight like a soldier. We know, we understand, that because of Jesus' work on the cross, the power of sin has been defeated. Yes and amen. Yet the presence of sin still remains in the world. And so we recognize that, that in every moment of every day of our lives, there is a, a battle, there is a war going on for our passions, for our desires, for our hearts. And it will either drag us into the things of this world, or they will drag us towards the Father. And we, we live life knowing that if we're not careful, our little idol factory hearts will take any good thing, commit to it, and turn it into an ultimate God thing, a ruling thing, where we'll look to that for our identity and purpose and mission and value and all those things. Yet our hearts were created to be ruled by King Jesus and Him alone. And so we fight that. We fight like a soldier. And finally, kind of building out of that even, we behave as an ambassador or a representative. There is not a moment of any day of your life where your actions are not speaking about who or what is most important to you. That's terrifying some days. The way that I handle myself, the way that I speak, the way that I treat people around me, the way that I react to situations tells the world around me what's most important. Hopefully, it's pointing people towards Jesus. Sometimes it's saying to people, get out of my way, I'm most important. And that's not a good thing. He calls us to behave as an ambassador. It's a reminder that we are sons and daughters of King Jesus. And we have the calling to be his representatives 
everywhere we go, in every situation, in every relationship, and in every place at every time. And in fact, the way we live is meant to be an argument for the existence of God and the truth of the gospel. Now, we don't always get this right, so let me not kind of heap shame on you for feeling like, man, I sucked at that this week. I, I, I was a really bad representative. God could probably never use me. No, no, that's not it. We don't get it right. We won't always get it right. That's why Jesus went to the cross to forgive our sins. But the way we live, the way we handle ourselves, the way we live our life is, a, is an example for others to prove the existence of God and the truthfulness of the gospel. See, our lives, if we're followers of Jesus, our lives don't even belong to us anymore. Right? We've been told, we've been bought with a price, the, the price of Jesus' life. And so in light of that, we have been invited and drafted into the bigger work. Instead of just building Sean's little kingdom as much as I can grasp, no, I'm invited to be a part of building the kingdom of God, which is amazing. And so Peter has called us to live like an alien, fight like a soldier, and behave like an ambassador. But in the next um, several sections, the next few weeks that we'll go through, he tries to get this really down to where the rubber hits the road. And I had originally thought, well, we'll cover this in, in one Sunday and carry on, but there's, there's just too much, and I think we need to sit with some of the weight of some of these words and the struggling through it a little bit, so we're going to take it a little slower. The first way he's going to unpack this for us that, that hits, again, hits every one of us every day of our life is how we relate to civil authority, to government. And look at how he starts. Uh, in the chat before, uh, Scott's our online host this morning and said, yeah, I'm looking forward to the message. I was like, buckle up, Scott. Look how Peter starts. Submit to or be subject to every human authority because of the lordship. Yeah. He says that we are to willingly come under human authority, and that human authority has actually been placed there by God in our lives. Now, sometimes when, often, when we hear the word submit, we cringe for any number of reasons. Sometimes when we think of the word submit, maybe we think of, a, of an MMA fight, right? There's kind of two ways, three ways, I guess, maybe for a, for a fight to end. One guy gets knocked out, uh, times out, times up, and they judge, or you can win by what? Submission. So when we're talking about submission, we're not talking about, okay, God has got my right ankle behind my left ear and my arm behind here. If you're being forced into submission, that's not submission as we're using it here, okay? This is to willingly decide to come under the authority that God has placed in our lives. And Peter's saying, we should look at this as a good thing, even a blessing. Now, this has become uh, more and more a foreign concept in our day. There's so much uh, skepticism and criticism of authority on, on all levels. One of the, the highest values in our culture is that of the radical individual and personal autonomy, right? Who, who dare say what I should do? I know what's best for me. This is even coming into the church. Let's not think we're immune to this. I know what's best, and how dare you tell me what's best for me? We tend to look at authority as, as a hassle, as a struggle, 
as a difficulty, even as a curse or a slavery. We demand our freedom. And Peter will get there. But listen, as long as sin is still present in this world, which it is, and as long as sin is still present in me, which it is, I need restraint. I need guardrails. I need a set of rules and, and regulations to protect me from me. And I need laws, and I need an authority to guide and direct me, and I need those laws enforced. See, I, if I believe that I'm a sinner, which I do, then I'm also acknowledging that there is some standard where something becomes sin, and someone has then set that standard, and if they've defined a standard, then I need to submit to that. He calls us, Peter says, submit to every human authority. And why? Well, I mean, it's, it's not easy, the first part, but why are we submitting it? Because of the Lord, for the Lord's sake. Here's how Peter sees this. To submit to a human authority is also to, admit, to submit to God's authority. For Peter, it's impossible to say, I love God's authority, but I reject and hate human authority. That's not a thing in P Peter's mind. It's impossible. It'd be impossible to say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. I love his will and ways for my life, but I will not listen to my government, local, provincial, federal, whatever. That's not a thing. The apostle Paul would agree, and he even goes farther. Way to go, Paul. Look at Romans 13. I think this one will be up behind me, right? So then, Romans 13.1, let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God. Had an interesting conversation in between. It's, this is like a really authority by God, but also to those who are in authority at whatever levels. Wait a minute. There's, there's something to this here. I'm actually called by God to this position of authority. There's no authority except by God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. Now, <clears throat> I've tried to leave a few awkward pauses. There will be more, I promise. In light of all that we've come through in the last two and a half years, since you know, March 2020, and in light of even seeing this morning a friend of mine get turned around at the border, that a friend of mine got turned around at the border, trying to head south. How did those verses make you feel? Peter's going to continue. Paul does as well. Look what he says in Romans 13, verse 3. He carries on. The one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. Hang on, Paul. That's uncomfortable. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. Now I can hear, believe it or not, I can hear the wheels turning. I can hear the, the hairs on your neck standing up and the, the resistance and the, the, ta the fingers rattling on the chairs just getting ready to say, yeah, but Sean, what about... Skip down to verse 18. We're back in 1 Peter. We're going to look deeper at this verse next week, but it, it applies here and we'll continue tomorrow. Or next Sunday, excuse me. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only the good and gentle, but also the unjust. Now hear this. God can and will use flawed, imperfect, 
and sometimes unjust human authority. And it's not my right to say this system is defective. I reject it and refuse to follow it. The reality is that on this side of, of, of eternity, human authority will never be perfectly just. Doesn't matter what system. You can't say, well, the system in Canmore sucks. I'm going to another country. Doesn't matter what party is in power. It's all flawed because we're all flawed. Now I do need to make one qualification. You've probably seen it coming, which is why the hair is standing up on the back of your neck. Clearly, if in obeying human authority, I'm ultimately submitting to God's authority, that's what Peter and Paul said, if there's a time where that human authority is asking me to do something in direct rebellion to what God has called me to do, then I don't submit to that human authority. Okay? And you're all like, great. Back in the game. Back where, right where I expect it to be. But I think the, the examples and instances where that happens, where we've actually, human authority is causing us to go against God's authority, I think they happen a lot less than we think and definitely a lot less than we want. Here's two biblical examples. You can go back into the Old Testament, find the book of Daniel. Maybe you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you're more familiar with uh, vegetable theology, maybe it's Rakshak and Benny. Yeah, like there's at least two of us that remember Rakshak and Benny from the Veggie Tales. If we read in the book of Daniel that they were brought out and they were commanded to worship an idol of the king because the king thought he was God. Now, does that go in direct violation to what God has called his people to do? Yes. Right? First commandment, no other gods before me. Second commandment, don't make any idols. Don't bow down to anything. So they resisted human authority because they submitted to God's authority. And what happened? They got thrown in a fiery furnace, and the Lord saved them. However, there were consequences, right? Like, it wasn't just, oh, okay, guys, carry on with what you like. You can flip back up to the New Testament, and Peter himself is an example of this. There, there are many, but we're just going to land on Peter. In the book of Acts, we read in Acts, I think it's chapter 4, he and John are called before the ruling authorities. And what do they say? Stop preaching about Jesus, or we'll put you back in prison. What do they say? Can't do it. Can't do it. My submission is to God, not to man. What happened? Tradition tells us sometime later, Peter was crucified upside down because he wouldn't stop preaching about Jesus. John, he lived the longest of all the disciples, but he they, not for lack of trying. Tradition tells us he was exiled to Patmos where he wrote Revelation. And that part's not religion, or not tradition, excuse me. Tradition tells us he was boiled in oil. He, he, like, he paid for it. So let me ask you this as your pastor. Do you love authority? Are you glad for the rules that govern your town, your job, our province, our country? It's not all Peter had to say about this. He starts in verse 13, submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as supreme authority 
or to the governors sent by those to punish those who do what's evil and to praise what is good. He's talking about the range of authorities here. He's like, okay, I can see the wheels turning even though I'm writing you this letter. You're going to find a way to get around this because that's what people do. They take a rule, okay, uh, let me find a loophole. Okay. He says, submit to the emperor. Now, remember, we're a little ways into, into Peter. Do you remember when about Peter was writing this? When he said, does anyone remember? Somewhere around the mid-first century. Okay? So who might he have been talking about as the emperor at this time? Or where was the emperor maybe located? You're not totally sure who it was at this time. Could have been Nero. Very likely Nero. And we said that, that maybe if we date this letter a little bit early, uh, maybe the persecution against the church hadn't really, hadn't really started yet. But that probably means that this letter had circulated through the churches in around the mid to late 60s when Nero started taking Christians, tying them to poles, and lighting them on fire to light the paths into Rome. Submit to the emperor. All of a sudden... I don't want to get into this too much, but I'm going to. The mask doesn't seem like quite the inconvenience. Right? The, the lockdown doesn't seem like quite the inconvenience. All these things, right? He's saying that every authority has been put into place from the highest to the lowest. The governors were the, the, like the, the guys that would be right in the local town making sure everything was enforced. We submit to them all. This is a problem for many of us, isn't it? I want to include, every, I'll say many and not all. I'll let you decide if you're in the many or not. It's a problem for me. I'll throw that out there. We don't, we don't like authority. Uh, Paul Chip, who's a pastor, uh, author, and, and counselor in the States in Philadelphia, he says this, kind of tells this story, this analogy. He says, a good portion of my ministry in hours and hours and hours of counseling people, uh, sorry, he's, I spent a good portion of my ministry in all these hours, counseling people who had made a mess of their lives. That's a counseling call, right? He says, and it hit me again and again that the base of the mess, now a superstructure of layers of difficulty that seem almost impossible to unpack, the base is a rebellion to authority. The start and the foundation of the mess of people's lives is thinking, I know better. It's wanting to write my own rules, wanting to be a little self-sovereign, Looking at what God has called me to as being restrictive and obstructive rather than seeing the most supreme authority to the lowest, most present authority as being a blessing of God who knows us, the God who knows us, and knows how much we need our thoughts, desires, and actions to be restrained. He says, we need authority in our lives. He says, submit to authorities, Peter does, for the, from the emperor to the governors who are sent to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. This is the classical definition of a functional government. To be an authority, to reward those who, who, who follow the rules and who, who are in line and to keep order, right? Order is a, is a godly characteristic. But also to enforce, enforce the consequences of evil. And as long as there is sin in our hearts, we need this. For many, probably for all of us, in some way, shape, or form, the most local example of this is right in our homes and houses. It's, it's, it's parenting our kids or, or having a relationship with, with grandkids or even nieces and nephews to some degree. We set boundaries and guardrails for our kids to protect them because there are some ways I know better than my 10-year-old and my 8-year-old 
And one of these days, maybe that's going to get a little closer, but not yet. And so we set boundaries and guardrails. And then, just like he's talking about, just like Peter's talking about here, we praise them for doing good. And man, I'll, I'll admit, I need to do a better job of this in my house. To thank my kids for, 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 for following the rules. Man, I, I saw you treat your sister well today. Well done, Jaden. Uh, I, I, you, guys, you guys cleared off the table without being asked. Thank you for doing that. To praise the good, encourage the good, build the good. But it's also my job to enforce those boundaries, those guardrails, and unleash isn't the right word, but uh, <clears throat> have consequences for when the boundaries are broken. Of course, our ultimate example in all of this is Jesus. We said he was the ultimate exile, the ultimate soldier, the ultimate representative last week. He did all those things perfectly. But he submitted himself to every human authority, didn't he? From living under his earthly parents' house to the Jewish authorities, who pushed them, of course, though it was an ungodly thing, just like we said. But he submitted to their authority, even though they ultimately nailed him to a cross. He continues, Peter does in verse 15. Submit to these authorities for God's sake. It's for it's God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. The way that we respond to authority, I, th I think the church is getting worse at this over the last couple of years, myself included. The way that we respond, authority, respond to authority is a gospel issue. And it's gospel work. Because we are God's ambassadors, because we are positioned as his representatives, and the way we live this out is the way that the world watches us. Right? Now, when Peter points to the ignorance of foolish people, what's he talking about? That's not a very kind phrase. Uh, you wouldn't want to walk into a shop and say, let me tell you about your ignorance, foolish people. So I hope that from this morning on, if, if not already, many of you are, are probably already here, from this morning on, when you hear, especially in the New Testament, it talking about foolish people, I want your minds to go back to the Psalms and Proverbs because so much of the Psalms and, and a ton of the Proverbs talks about this dichotomy between wise living and foolish living, right? Right. So when we think about foolish people, flip back to the Psalms and go especially to Psalm 14. How does it open? The fool or the foolish person has said in their heart, what? There is no God. Scripture would tell us, and Peter is kind of pointing to that to us this morning here, that this is the ultimate foolishness, declaring that there is no greater authority in my life than me, that there's no need for me to submit to anyone else or anything else. God doesn't exist, so I'll do what I want. I have the right to do what I want. Whatever my heart desires, whatever passion I want to give myself to, I will give myself to fully. And how dare you suggest I do anything different? That, according to the Bible, is ultimate foolishness. Right? The, the, the Psalms open, Psalm 1, with the, with the wise person is like one who's planted next to the streams of living water. Their roots go down deep into what God has for them. And they will never perish throughout. All the things can happen, but this wise person will be fine. And the last thing Peter says here is, live as people who are free. 
can't do. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Now, maybe Peter's just an ordinary fisherman, and he's forgotten that he said submit, and then two verses later he says, live like you're free. I don't think so. What he's saying is that this life of, of submission is actually a life of freedom. If, if we're followers of Jesus, and, and since we have become servants of God, servants of Jesus, we have been given freedom in Christ, freedom from the weight of the Old Testament law, freedom from slavery to sin, sin's been defeated on the cross, freedom from slavery to the world. But freedom is not freedom from all authority, because that wouldn't be freedom at all. When our first parents, again, the story of the Bible is a story of authority. When our first parents, Adam and Eve, stepped out from under God's authority, they thought maybe we're getting we're going to get free of what God's unbearing rules on our lives. What happened? They didn't find freedom. They lost all the freedoms they had in the gospel. They had they lost unlimited access to God. The, the, the scripture tells us they walked together in the cool of the night. Can you imagine? I, I, I can't. I can't wrap my head around it. They lost that, and now all of a sudden, their relationship was strained. Their, the world was strained. The ground didn't produce. The skies didn't produce. All these things. They lost all this freedom, and instead they found sin. And sin and death entered the picture. One of their sons killed another out of jealousy. A few chapters later, we read that things had gotten so bad, because humans were free, that God sent a flood to wipe out humanity and have a fresh start with Noah. One writer says, human authority never, excuse me, human autonomy, believing I can set the rules for myself. This is, again, our culture today is most prized virtue and value, individual autonomy. He says, human autonomy never results in freedom. It's a delusion. But Peter says, Real freedom is found in being a servant of God. When you say, not my will, but yours be done, that's when you start to live exactly as you were meant to live. That's how life works. When things are meant to be used a certain way, when you try to use them another way, it just doesn't work. The snow's here now, so my analogy fails, but I can't strap on my cross-country skis in the summer and go down the road. Right? They don't work that way. They weren't meant to work like that. I can't take a train and, and drive it down the highway. It doesn't work like that. A boat's got to be in water. All these things, right? Things are created to function in a certain way. And if we try to live outside of that, it doesn't work. In the same way, we were actually wired to live under the authority of God, created by him for that, to live within the guardrails because our creator knows how the creation's supposed to work he tells us even. We don't have to look hard to find it. It doesn't work otherwise. Now Peter wraps our section up this morning with a pretty clear, simple uh, summary. Again, this is the interesting part of the Bible. Our, our authors are different, right? Paul is like PhD Paul, doc, not medical doctor Paul, doctor Paul, who's well-educated, and so we can just kind of unleash these, these treaties and arguments and all the things. Peter's just a blue-collar, ordinary fisherman, 
and the spirit working through him has written some of these amazing things. But I, I like to picture Peter as just a simple guy. Again, I identify with the simple guy. He kind of says, listen, guys, so these, these are hard verses. He wouldn't have had verses. This is a hard section. So let me, let me just sum it up for you simply. Honor everyone. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter race, gender, class, social status, any of the things that you kind of organize yourself within. Throw it out. Honor everyone because every single human being has been created in the image of God and that's why they have value and worth. And as we lean into that, that's where we'll find our meaning and purpose and identity as being created in the image of God. So church, honor everyone. He ramps it up just a little bit. Love the brothers and sisters. Who's he talking about there? The church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Honor everyone, yes. And don't, like, you can't honor someone and treat them poorly. So he ramps it up. He's writing to the churches and says, you guys, love one another. Like, go beyond. Care for one another. Again, all, the everyones are included in the church. Right? They would have had and genders and classes and racism and all the things. Love the brothers and sisters. He ramps it up again. Who's the top of the pile? Fear God. Live your life in such a way that, that every single day you're living in awe of God's presence and his power and his authority in your life. Honor everyone. Of course, love the brothers and sisters even more. First thing first, fear God. And then because he knows the human heart, I think, he's got to come back. I know you guys are going to have a loophole for this. Also honor the emperor. Just in case you missed it, be thankful for the government. So what do we do with this? Where do we go from here? How do we deal with authority? Well, I think first we start with confessing and admitting that we don't always like authority. There are places in your life and my life where you want your own way and where you want to be the authority. How dare you put me within these protective walls? Sometimes you don't want any law, let alone God's law. Right? And sometimes you don't love how God's authority is exercised in human authority. We're all there. So we need to say once again, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, God, I need your help. I am not yet where I want to be, and I need you to work in my heart. And then we look to Jesus as our perfect example and as our substitute. He's the only one where hope can be found. He's the only one that perfectly submitted to God's authority. And in submitting to God's authority, he also submitted himself to human authority, even when that authority was bad and unjust. And he was willing to be wrongly condemned. He was willing to be tortured. He was willing to endure the worst of human authority so that because of his submission, our hearts could be transformed. Our lives could be changed. Now one day we can stand in his presence no longer wanting our way, but saying, Jesus, I want your way. And living with him for all eternity. And that, that journey towards submission, I suspect it will be 
lifelong until we're face-to-face with Jesus. But it can start right here. It can restart right here this morning, too. We turn to Jesus, our perfect example, our perfect substitute, and say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I need your grace in my life, and I need your grace to flow through me to others. I need my heart transformed. Jesus, there's times when I get this right, but there are times when I get it wrong, and so I claim your forgiveness when I get it wrong, and I claim your authority for myself. Once again, delivery, deliver me from me by your grace. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these words. Thank you for your example. Holy Spirit, thank you for giving these words to Peter to write to the church then and, and to write to us now. And I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts as we wrestle some of these things to the ground. Maybe we'll never get there. Help us to understand even, even just a little bit more this morning what it looks like to submit to our human authority because we're actually submitting to your authority. God, I do thank you for the authority that you have uh, in my life. Forgive me for when I've gone my own way and I've, I've rejected it. So we would draw my heart and our hearts back to you so that we might find hope and life, meaning and purpose and value. All the things you promise us as we follow you. In Jesus' good name we pray. Amen.